0: You're listening to Happy and Holy, the podcast created to help you reorient your life around Jesus, his people, and his mission. Because you don't have a spiritual life, your life is spiritual. You just have to learn to see it that way. I'm your host and mentor, Kate Boyd, and it's time to put on our Jesus goggles and dive in to today's episode. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Happy and Holy Podcast. I'm Kate Boyd, and I'm really excited to talk to you about one of my favorite things today, and that is church. Um, Has your church been closed since the lockdown started? Um, and if so, have you struggled with staying connected while everything is online? Um, I know that we were all told this would be a few weeks, right? That's kind of the mindset that we were given when all this first happened back in March. And that suddenly became a few months, right? And counting because here I am talking to you in July and our church still hasn't been open. Um, and our I don't think our churches thought we'd be like this. We'd still be away from one another. And I don't think many of us, I knew that it would be longer than maybe we thought, but you know, I don't, I don't think I anticipated seeing it go on into the fall. Like it's looking like it's going to. So I think we were all caught off guard. Um, and I've seen a lot of people, you know, sad, rightfully so that they have not been with church, right. Been to church, been a church. Um, but in all of this, I want to remind us of something and I want to posit a theory that the pandemic didn't really keep us from church. It's our view of church that kept us from church. Um, because in America, church looks different and that's what we've been shaped by. We're Americans, right? So that's normal. Um, you know, if you're on Christian Twitter, then you know right around March and April when bills, when churches were, clothing, were closing, it was kind of a joke how many people kept saying, the church is not a building but a people. And it was funny the way people were doing it and talking about it because it just sort of became this trope that everyone was saying. But it's true, right? It's absolutely true. The problem, though, is that we weren't prepared to live that fully in today's circumstances in all that, um, you know, we do today right now. And so that meant, um, <laughs> that we, we are, our, our view of church is what sort of kept us from having the full experience of church. Um, because we haven't learned it any other way. And so in today's episode, I want to give you a few ways to create a connected church experience from your couch if your church building is still closed. So so stick with me. Okay. But also you should know I'm literally writing a book about this so I can talk about it all day, all day long. But for your sake, I won't. I'll give you some high points. And then at the end, I'm going to give you some practical things to do. And hopefully you will leave feeling empowered to create a true church at home experience for yourself because you 100% can and you have permission to. Okay. But first we have to kind of set the stage. Um, and that is that God's plan was always a move toward people over spaces. We have to take this longer view into account than just our current day and age. If we're going to talk about church, um, we've got to get back to the roots of the people, not a building thing, because that really is the thrust of the story. So if we pull all the way back, yes, all the way back to in the beginning when God created everything, right? He made a garden and he placed man there. Um, And they walked together and they talked together and there were no barriers back then in the relationship. It was complete and full. Um, But you know, we messed it up. You know the story. I don't have to tell that to you. You know what happened. People sinned and that led to being kicked out of the garden and led to a breaking in our fellowship with God. But God loves us and he wants a relationship with us. So he made a way through sacrifice. So first this looked like The Israelites had a tabernacle that was specially designed and created um, that they carried around the wilderness. And then that eventually turned into the temple that Solomon built in Jerusalem. Both were places where the presence of God actually dwelled. It sat on the Ark of the Covenant in the mercy seat. That's where God came down to meet people, was in the mercy seat. Um, And that's really... And it was through the sacrifices that people could come near to him. That's what made it possible. So sacrifice is what cleansed people enough um, from the sin to create, to restore that relationship for even a moment, right? And that's what the what a temple was for people then. It was a place where God met man, where heaven met earth. It's the place where those two things came together seamlessly and without barrier. So then if we fast forward in God's plan, you know, even the temple gets destroyed, it gets rebuilt, but it's different. Um, it's even kind of corrupted at the, at the time that Jesus comes, which is where we're going next. And if we think about the temple being a place where God and man come together, where heaven meets earth, then we have to think of Jesus as a temple. He was literally a temple walking the earth. The gospel of John even says in chapter one that he tabernacled among us. That verse, the Lord, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt means tabernacled. He was a tent that walked among us. So he's definitely calling back to those earlier sacred spaces. And this isn't a coincidence. Like he's really pulling those images together because this is a theme that John really builds out in his gospel. Um, which again, I could talk about for an hour, just that, but I won't. Um, So what we're seeing as John is building up this theme is that Jesus is God and man, right? And he's in one body and he is on earth. He is the new temple and he's also the sacrifice, right? So, and it's through his sacrifice that the next phase of God being with humans becomes possible, The next phase was us, God-indwelling believers, that there is no barrier again between God and people. We become the temple. The place where heaven meets earth, the place where God meets men, that is us. The sacrifice of Jesus allows us, um, and us accepting that, right, allows us to be in right relationship with God again. So now that means God can live in us. The Holy Spirit, one of the persons of God, lives in each believer, people, right? Not the building. The people are now where God lives on earth. It's not a place. Here's the thing though. None of us are Jesus. None of us are perfect nor infinite. And therefore, our expression of God in the world with each other is inherent to, is inherently with God in the world and with each other, excuse me, is inherently limited in some capacities, right? Because we're only mere mortal humans at the moment. Like we're not jesus so that's why god made the church it's the coming together of his people to become a whole he even has paul talk about it in like romans and first corinthians and ephesians like the body of christ in the world and we require each other to function to live we may be a dwelling place of god individually but it's together that we become the church and we become a new thing in the world So. What happens when we can't meet in our designated place? What is a church? What does that even look like? And I'm glad that you asked because my friend and mentor, um, Dr. Sandra Klon, wrote recently in a blog post um, this. And so I'm going to read this uh, little quote for you. The church is the people in whom the spirit dwells. And these people are exhorted to gather. Sometimes we get the wrong idea and think that unless we meet all together in our usual space, we can't be the church. Yet Jesus set the minimum number at two. When two or more gather in My name, I and them, I am in their midst. And that's Matthew eighteen twenty. So the pers- So the important thing is not the space or the number, right? It's the fact that they come together. And I'll link to her post in the show notes for you. Um, but it's also from her study of Ephesians called Earl Gray with Ephesians, and so you should definitely pick that up. She's great. Um, so the church is the people together it doesn't have to be all of us but jesus told us it's two or more so then the question becomes if we're not able to meet in a common building then what the heck do we do right and here's the thing <clears throat> excuse me for centuries and even in some places around the world today churches do not look like what our churches look like they aren't big they don't have de- dedicated buildings they aren't led by well-educated or in de- or or ordained ministers, these are part of our American privilege. These ideas um, of what church looks like is part of our American privilege. They aren't bad ideas, but they also aren't the only way. This is not a new situation to the church. It's the same problem that it's been faced with for centuries. It's just in different clothing and it's Affecting us now so it doesn't feel the same as it did in the early church. But the church has always been creative. Um, Back in Acts, they met in synagogues and the temple court. And then they moved into homes. There are a lot of places where being a Christian isn't allowed today. And the church is still meeting and growing. It's just not in a dedicated building and not with fancy things and bands and, um, you know, sound systems. It's not a thing that has to exist in order for a church to be a church. So in this time, the first thing you should know is that you're not alone. Um, This is actually an opportunity for us, an opportunity to experience church like so many people do around the world today. And I want to give you a few examples of churches that um, I've been in or heard of in some previous work um, just to give you a flavor of what it looks like other places. Um, first one is when I met a group of Muslim background believers in Southeast Asia. Some of them had been abandoned by their families for believing, and others hadn't told their families because they would be disowned by their families, right, for believing in Jesus. Um, but they met together in a small room in one of the businesses owned by one of the believers in the church, and they worshiped while sitting on the floor and prayed and shared stories and read scripture and talked about it. It was beautiful. In South Asia, I sat in a packed room in the dark because it was their turn for the rolling blackouts to conserve energy, and it was a one-room home, and it was a church for a dozen or more people, and they worshipped by candlelight because it's what they had. In North Africa, a man came to faith and was the only believer in his community Because someone came from out of town to share the gospel. And soon after that, his family came to faith. His family of like four total, right? So now there's only four of them around. But together they make a church and they worship and and encourage one another in the faith as a family in their home. And this is a strength. The church is agile precisely because it's not in buildings. Buildings break down and crumble. But people are creative and resilient. And people in community even more so. So think about the incredible legacy that you get to be a part of at this time in history, not just in the US, but the one that's been forged actually in our faith over centuries and even by the faithful around the world right now. So if we are going to embrace this agility, we have to then ask ourselves, what makes a church a church? And this is a great question because We know that two or three more gathering isn't the only thing that makes a church, right? Church is both practices and people. It's people doing church, right? And so I like to think of what makes a church in four different rhythms. So the first rhythm is the vertical rhythm, which I call worship. So this is the first rhythm for every church is vertical. These are the practices that connect us to to God together, These are things like praise and worship, communion, prayer, the things we do to remember God and to communicate with God. Okay. The second one is a horizontal rhythm or unity is what I call it. If we are part of a body or a family, how we relate to one another and support one another matters. So this is the horizontal rhythm of the church, the one that connects us to each other. These are things like fellowship and baptism and giving giving of both our gifts and our money, our time, talent, and treasure to make each other whole regardless of size or location, right? And then there's the inward rhythm, which is formation. So beyond vertical and horizontal, churches also need internal and external rhythms. The internal rhythms help us refine and teach one another within community. And these are practices like studying scripture, mentoring, and nurturing leaders, even when it's With your children in your home. These are things that you probably do if you have a family. Um, Or maybe these are things you do in your small group or with friends, right? We see this like formation rhythm. And then there's the outward rhythm with just compassion. The church is strengthened by its internal practices, that orthodoxy, right? But it grows because of its external ones. Um, which is the orthopraxy, right? The things that we do. And these are rhythms that are vital to the church and her mission. Evangelism and serving within communities are how we love our neighbors and build relationships for the kingdom, though you may not have a building to bring them to. And these are the rhythms that make up the church and they can be practiced anywhere and in lots of different ways. By using them, You can become a house church if you want to. You can turn your simple Sunday morning around the laptop or TV with your pastor's sermon into a more connected experience if you have people with you. So if that's what the church is and that we're seeing that it's part of this bigger story of what God is doing, what does that look like in our moment? What does it look like in a pandemic when we can't be together? So let's get practical because I know this is where a lot of us are feeling stuck right now especially because we've only experienced church a certain way or in a certain kind of place. Like it can be challenging to think outside of this paradigm that we've all lived in and grown up with, but we can, you can still have church and you can still make it meaningful and real, even when your building is closed. And even when you may be watching online, or maybe even if you haven't felt like you could step in a church for years, you can still have church. Okay. So I'm going to give you a few practical things that can be used. Ooh, excuse me. um, In your context, okay. The first thing is you need people with you, Um, and this can be your family members. So if you're married, this is your family members. Um, or if you're with your kids, this is family members. Um, it's all of those things. Or, um, if you feel safe, or it's friends that you feel safe with. So my husband and I are are Obviously, we live together, Um, but we also, you know, do Bible study and things with, um, we have one other couple friend that we hang out with once or twice a week, and we've both been, you know, very careful and monitoring so we feel safe together, both physically from a sickness standpoint and emotionally because we're good friends. So they are our people. Um, So even if you live alone, if there is someone, you know, who's been quarantining as safely as you and you feel like you can get together. Um, you know, or I mean, honestly, I don't even know that this has to be a physical thing. I think, especially in a pandemic, I think embodied is the ideal. It's what we want, right? And it's what we need, but in a pandemic, sometimes that's not possible, you know? Um, so think of people That you might be able to invite and do this in a safe way. Maybe it's in a backyard. Maybe it's on a balcony. Maybe it's through a screen door with masks on. Like whatever it is, you can do this. Maybe it's a front yard or a shared courtyard and an apartment, right? Like it doesn't have to be or it's like on opposite ends of your living room. (laughs) It doesn't have to be close in order to be a church, right? It can be two of you. It can be three of you, whatever. Um, as for like what you do, right, you can watch the sermon from one of your churches together, or you can pick a Bible study to go through. Um, I think of something like right now, media, that's got a bunch of videos and stuff, right. Or you can study a book of the Bible together. Um, you don't have to be present in a room with someone teaching you in order to learn from the Bible or in order to yeah, be fulfilling this part of what church is. I mean, think about when Paul would write a letter and he would send it to people. Them reading the letter out loud in front of everyone is a lot like your pastor giving a sermon online, right? Or someone teaching you online. Um, But you can even do this in an embodied way in the sense of like, maybe you pick a book of the Bible and you guys go through it a chapter or two at a time as you go throughout, like these are things that you can totally do, um, because the Holy Spirit's in you and you can study it together in community. Like we talked about, um, in the, how to read the Bible episode. Um, okay. So you can do this. Another thing you can do is discuss it together. Take some time, um, to really get into it. Don't just like teach or talk about it. Like, think about the ways that it applies to your life. Think about, um, the nuances that you are crazy about. Maybe Google stuff, look it up together and see what comes up. Use this as an opportunity to learn together and discuss and maybe be like the early church and have a meal if that's something you feel safe with. Or maybe you both bring your own food, whatever it is. Um, you know, sit around a table on opposite ends and talk about it and share a meal after and laugh and have that fellowship in addition to this more organized time. And you know if you're doing a Bible study or picking a book of the Bible or maybe you want to play with other ways to worship you can then your church does you can do that that's the fourth thing incorporate your favorite ways to worship I know sometimes you know I go to an evangelical church um, and it's a low church in the sense that it's not very liturgical like a Catholic Church or an Anglican Church um and sometimes I miss that so sometimes I want to do a responsive reading and you can bring that in. Um, sometimes I want to sing a psalm, you know, there, and there are lots of ways to worship. You can even, I mean, Google that, find some things that you love or that you miss or that you want to incorporate. Maybe you guys rotate choosing what songs you do and how you do them or who does what, or maybe you have somebody who plays guitar and they can sit and do that for you. So incorporate your favorite ways to worship, um, in that, and, you know, number five is share your own testimonies or highs and lows. This is um, a part of being a body is that we have to know what's going on in each other's lives. We need to connect with each other. And so use this as a time to do that authentically and walk through maybe problems that you're having or bring the truth of scripture to them. Um, it's a chance to really go deeper into one another's lives and bring the Bible into that and that's a very churchy thing to do. Okay. Another thing you can do is share a skill or thought with each other. Um, this can be an addition to the scripture or teach about something that you love related to the Bible or Christianity. Um, as part of your time together, I know that, you know, our church has a Sunday school class that we go to sorry, they call it adult Bible fellowship, but I grew up (laughs) calling it Sunday school. So that's what I call it. And, um, you know, we had a whole series about church history, which was fascinating. And I think everyone should learn church history. And so that's something that you can bring in. Maybe there's a book that you want to read together and you can do that as part of your church alongside scripture. You know, um, the next thing you should do is obviously pray together, um for each other, for your church, for your community. Um whatever that looks like. Like you can actually take this time and go deep with praying for each other, which is a huge part of what a church does. But, you know, maybe at the end of the sermon your pastor is praying about the sermon in in everyone's life corporately. And you can pray corporate prayer, but you can also pray in prayer for individuals which is something that's great about being in the smaller context. You guys can actually pray together for each other. And then of course you can think about people, um, or causes that you want to support and help. So you can think of people that you can help and pool your resources for. You can take up collections for causes that you like to support that feel really important right now. Um, you know, maybe you know that a neighbor that's having trouble or someone else that your bigger church is having trouble. Um, Or, I mean, obviously give to your church together and those things too. But if there are individual or collective things that you all see and want to throw your support behind um, or even serve with in a way that's safe at this moment to do so, you guys can do that together. And that's exciting. And you get to tailor it to what God is doing in your group at the moment through what he's teaching you. Uh, And another thing you guys can do is think about people you can share the gospel with or pray for or reach out to you. Um, it doesn't have to be limited to physical service. You can do spiritual service too. Um, and, and you guys can encourage each other in these things and hold each other accountable to these things and give each other tools and troubleshoot together, right? When you share about these experiences and these people and these causes that you want to support. That's what's great about a smaller context is there's actually a lot of this back and forth and leaning on the community in a different way. And so after hearing these things, you're probably thinking, well, that's not that different from what my church did before. (laughs) And you're right. It's not. Um, It's just now that it's smaller, right? Like all churches, your little house church in this sense is a microcosm of the church at large. And it's in these days that we're having to examine our paradigm of church whether that's because we've been hurt or because we can't meet like we're used to. And so whatever your reason, you don't have to let go of church or faith altogether. You can create your community's expression of it and not miss another week of church because you created it with intentionality. So I'd love to hear from you. What is one thing that you want to incorporate into your Sunday morning church expression with your family or friends? And who are you going to invite? Um... I would love to hear that in the comments or over on Instagram. Tag me or at kateboy.co and let me know what you're going to do um, to make your own community's expression in a smaller way of church. Um, because you can. And if you need something to talk about, if you need something to work through, or you just want some place to start, um, my Gospels in a Month is a great place to start. This is free it's facilitated through email and a Facebook group, but basically what you can do is sign up um, you'll start with the life of Jesus. You'll receive daily accountability for what to read and you'll have things to discuss and you guys can, you know, receive the daily prompts and then talk about, you know, one prompt a day or week, right? Um, or talk about the whole week's. Prompts because you're almost gonna go through. You're almost gonna go through a gospel a week, so you guys can talk about all the things that you saw, um, or dig deeper into little things. Get the questions throughout the week, and then talk about them together. This is something that you can use to as a jumping off point with friends or family if you want to create your own little church context um, as you try to make it through these weird, 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 weird days that we're living in. If you want more information about that, like I said, it's free. It's 30 days. Um, you can sign up at kateboyd.co slash gospels. And that's all I have for you today. Thanks for joining me and I will see you next time. Thanks for joining me for another episode of happy and holy. If you're so inclined, you can leave a review on your favorite podcast player to help more people find and learn alongside of us. See you next time.